After experiencing the transformative power of a regular meditation practice, it's natural to feel inspired to share this gift and guide others on their own journey of discovery through meditation. Join Buddhist teacher David Nickturn and Duncan Trussell, comedian and creator of the Netflix animated series The Midnight Gospel, for a free online event on Tuesday, May 7th at 6 p.m. Eastern Time. They'll discuss the profound practices of mindfulness Dharma Moon's renowned Mindfulness Meditation Teacher Training Program. Get certified by Dharma Moon to teach meditation, lead group practice sessions, and work with individual students. Visit dharmamoon.com slash beherenow for more info and to reserve your spot for the free online event with David Nickturn and Duncan Trussell. Hi, it's Raghu from Mind Rolling, back with uh, a very special guest today, uh, Nick Polizzi. Nick, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. I'm honored to be here. Yeah, and I was just telling, so Nick uh, put together and directed this uh, amazing movie called Sacred Science, and uh, Nick and I were introduced, what, it's about a month ago or something, something like that, by a mutual friend, and... Uh, I read all about the movie on the website. I did everything except watch the movie until we were going to have this uh, this podcast. I said, well, let's do a podcast about this. Um, and uh, so I was telling him how much of a fool I was not to watch it before I even talked to you the first time. So, <laughs> uh, God, it's, it's, oh, it's, uh, it's quite something. And I'm going to ask you to describe... Uh, and all, but before we get to the movie, um, which well, let's do a little description so people know what we are talking about. Just give me, a, you know, one of your uh, three or four liners so people get it like right away. <laughs> Elevator pitch. Yeah. Um, we 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 um we brought eight people from around the world who are suffering from a variety of serious illnesses, including cancer, Parkinson's disease, Crohn's, diabetes, depression, and more down into the middle of the Amazon jungle on the border of Brazil and Peru to work with indigenous medicines, ceremonies, um, practices of the shamans there and see if these guys could succeed where modern medicine had failed. Hmm. There you go. Beautiful. <laughs> you have that down. Um, so uh, this is just a fantastic movie, and we're going to tell you where you can watch it and uh, you know, as soon as... Uh, We'll give you all the information on the website and 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 all of that uh, through throughout this show, but um, it's important. Other than the reality of some of of the beauty of the story of people going down to uh, this area and uh, working with these healers and these shaman, uh, there's another reality that's a much bigger picture, which comes out in the movie, and and I'll get you to talk about it. But it's certainly about what it is that we are um, soon not going to have available to us, basically, that these herbs form uh, can form, especially you think of the most common thing, for instance, antibiotics are not working, and there it's even in you know in the Times, the New York Times, yeah. we've got to find alternative sources, and it appears that. Uh, Botanists are finding herbs in the in nature that can do what it is that 
these uh, chemical medicines can no longer do. So uh, it's it's got that larger picture, which is uh, makes it an important film in my mind. But what what were you doing before this? Let's talk about that. Oh man! Well, How just I mean, you know, stuff I, that. I, so I, listen, I, I've made a couple other movies before this one um, uh, with partners, and uh, I fell into filmmaking. Really, I didn't go to film school. I I, um, I fell into it when I was in my um, late twenties. Until then, I was a I was a real estate investor. I was one of those I was oh, one of those really? guys. Who, you know, you see you see this on the side of the road. You see like um, the yellow sign that says "We buy ugly houses." Yeah, something like that. I was one of those guys. I got out of college. I didn't. I was determined I wouldn't get a, an office job after a terrible internship that kind of traumatized me mm. in college. I'm like, I'm going to work for myself. So I was a real estate investor for a while, and um, and yeah, I I managed to get out of real estate before the market crashed. And as I was sort of you know trying to figure out what I was going to do next. To, friend of mine was making a film called The Tapping Solution, my buddy Nick Ortner. And um, he called me up. He's like, listen, we started making this film and it's not, we need your help. We just, it's, it's just not going the way we want it to go. I know that you went to graphic design school. That's why I went to school, to graphic design school. He's like, I'm sure you're going to, you know, he's like, you're the only person I know who's creative. Can you help me? And I'm like, I went, I know how to use Photoshop. That's all I really know how to use. I'm like, you have a documentary that you want to have edited. He's like, he's like, it's better than what I have. He's like, can you please just come over and just take a look at this film and see it? Tell me what you think. And I ended up walking, going over his house and you know, one thing led to another and I took it over and directed it. Um, and that was my beginning, uh, into documentary filmmaking. And it just so happened that, that it was in an alternative health space. Uh huh. Okay, but there must. Okay, tell me about the stuff that even made you think that you'd be interested in such a thing, you know, and beyond healing uh, into the world of uh, the spirit. Well, so it's kind of an open. It's kind of a Pandora's box. But um, what I what I came to realize was my introduction into this into these cultures and into this this lineage of healing was something that happened to me when I was sixteen that I didn't really attach any importance to or didn't really think was much more than a, a dumb accident. Um, I was out in my driveway when I was 16 after breaking up with my girlfriend and I was um, sitting outside in the pouring rain, like, you know, lamenting and, you know, being emotional about this whole terrible thing that had kind of befallen me. And um, and it was in the middle of a, of a thunderstorm and I uh, skipped to the, right to the chase. I got hit by, by lightning underneath my basketball hoop. Okay, um, that might do something too. And, uh, and and I kind of I was I was kind of in trouble with my parents a lot at that point. You know, I'd done a lot of terrible things that year. I crashed the car six times and all kinds of other things that were causing them a headache. So they so I didn't so when when I got when that happened and like literally the the, the big oak tree that was next to our hoop was was split down the side and like all over our driveway and I like came to like you know sort of next to it. The, for my first inclination was to hide that fact. I'm like, I, they do not need to know that I was I was outside near this terrible thing that happened, and, and my body hurt, and I get you know I was shook up a little bit, but I didn't want to tell them because I was like, this is this will be the next thing in the um, in the you know the catalog of terrible things that Nick Nick has done this year. So let's um, let's just keep that quiet. So kept that quiet for a long time, and then it wasn't until I was in the jungle, um, in, in you know, hanging out with three shamans during a rainstorm one time where the, that story came up and they were like oh that happened when you were 16 that's interesting so that was i guess the you know probably one of the the early beginnings of my spirit path for sure wow 
That's that'll light you up, I guess, right away. <laughs> <laughs> Even more big time than ayahuasca or acid or something. Oh yeah. boy! All right, so uh, talk about let's let's uh, define sacred science. Yeah. Well, there's two things with that. It's a tricky. It's a tricky title. It's um. It's catchy. I know because of this, just the feedback we get on you know from our fans and social media it seems to be something that people resonate with. But the actual beginnings of of the, that that the origins of that title are are from this concept in the Amazon. It's a shamanic concept. It's something that doesn't isn't really talked about very much. Something that I learned in my trips down there there's sort of this notion of this, you know, ciencia sagrada. It's like this, um, it's the science, it's, it's the science of the indefinable. It's, it's sort of this lineage that's been passed word of mouth from generation to generation. It's something that is not about like, oh, you, you, here's, here's, here are these three herbs you mix together and this is what it's good for. Like that's, that's amazing and that, that's amazing knowledge, but there's this way of being. It's something that you can only learn from being taught by a teacher and being taught by the elder who came before you. It's, it's a way of being. So it, they call it a lineage of direct transmission. It's something that can't be read in a book. It can't be learned from a movie. It has to be experienced by being with the person, be, by being with the healer. It's a sacred. So the, the, the sacred science or ciencia sagrada, there's something um, deeper than just the herbs or, you know, the ceremonies. There's something that can only be acquired by being in the presence of someone and understanding how they're interfacing with the world around them. And how they do interface with the world around them is quite prominent in the movie that shows you this is way beyond herbs. It's, it's, yeah. it's a complete... Uh, uh, spirit body, uh, for sure. Um, yeah. And um, so, one of the first things you see in the film, or you who you meet in the film, is Roman. This uh, is he Spanish? He's actually from from uh, from Moldo- Moldova. Moldova. Originally, and he came and he 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 lived in he lived in uh, in Israel for a number of years, and then his family moved to Brooklyn. New York, and that was where he started experiencing the the terrible health um, challenges that he had with Crohn's disease when he was in his like teens, and then he went down to the jungle when he was in his late teens, early right around twenty years old. And went down to the jungle just because he was called to go, and never came back. Um, just again, you know, and you know, within a year and a half, I think he's. I'm pretty sure it was within a year and a half he had healed his Crohn's disease. It took a lot. It was, you know, it changed him in many ways. You know, he was in the middle, he was in seclusion in, in solitude for eight months, um, doing nothing but, you know, dieting plants and, and sitting in ceremonies. And at one point there was a, a shift that happened in, within him during one particular ceremony when, where he felt this intense pain and heating up in his gut where, where the Crohn's mm-hmm. obviously is located. And it got, it got almost unbearable. And then something, something switched and then, you know, the next day, you know, there were the, most of the pain was gone and then it just completely continued to recede from there. So he was somebody who was the reason why he left, I believe, and I don't, I don't, I'm, I don't want to mis, misrepresent his story here, but the reason why yeah, I've talked to him many times about this, the reason why he le- he left was because they wanted to remove large parts of his intestine. You know, they were going to re- start, re- start removing large parts of his intestine because he had so many holes and lesions, um, they said that it was going to be, you know, it was something that would probably, probably, he would probably die. I, die early from because he had such an intense case of it. Um, 
And so he said, I'm sorry, I'm not going to do that to myself. And I'm going to try to find, find another way. And that's, that's how mm. he got on his path. Wow. Cause yeah. he, he's a very interesting guy. Uh, he's very multidimensional and, and seems to have some real, um, I call actuated wisdom, but he's, he's had this substantial practice that he's been doing to actuate, activate that. So it's yeah. more actuated. Yeah. So he, he's pretty something in this, uh, in, in, well, and so he, he tell a little bit of the story. So he is the one is the progenitor of, of the compound where people go to do this. Huh? So how did that, uh, he, he quickly rose through the ranks, so to speak, or got the trust of, of the, of the healers, right? Yeah. So he, when I decided that I was going to make that the film I wanted to make, which is what happened after the first two films, I was like, okay, so w this is cool. I've made these two films. They're pretty successful. What do I want to make now? I don't want to have, you know, now that, now that I can make one for myself, what do I want to make? And so I, we, I, I was called towards, um, you know, indigenous healing traditions. And then from there called towards Amazonian shamanism. Um, <clears throat> it was really interesting. And I'm sure you've experienced this many times. Like, but it feels like when you're on, when you're on this path, you know, when you're heading in the right direction, because the synchronicities start like piling up. And so, um, for, for me, when I was trying, first thing I obviously wanted to do was start working with shamans in the jungle, you know, and figure out who would be the one I could trust. And during that, during that time, that research, you know, time, you know, going down to the jungle and, and doing all, doing all the, um, the, you know, laying the framework for this thing, three of my friends who don't know each other, each pointed me towards one person. Like, you know, they knew that I was going down there and seeking out different healers. Um, and, you know, three of my friends, my friend Mark from Colorado, my friend Cynthia from, um, from uh, California, and I forgot who else, one other person uh, from the New York area pointed me towards this guy who they'd heard of, who, you know, would come through every once in a while and, you know, he would give talks. And then, you know, if you, you know, if you knew the right people, you could sort of, you know, come to these talks. And I, and I was like, okay, who is this person? It seems like these, you know, this is the same person and it ended up being Roman. Um, so, you know, that was an interesting point in the right direction during that research phase. Mm. Um, and then, and then he and I started, you know, working together well before he just, well before he agreed to do any filming, you know, he wanted to like, the first thing we did was sit, was sit in a, probably the most intense ayahuasca ceremony of my entire life where he would, he just wanted to, I was sitting with a bunch of much more advanced, much more advanced, um, seekers, sitters, um, who had done this many times who were like in, in a group of people that, you know, had known him for years and he, he invited me there to, to this, to this one, this one ceremony. And it was, it was, it was almost too much for me. It felt like it was almost too much for me to, for me to hold on during it. You know, um, it was, I was, it was, a, it was really eye opening. but I think for him and he says it now, he's like, I needed to be able to see you. And that, and, and so, yeah, I invited you to an intense ceremony where I knew that I knew the medicine was from a, was from an old, old vine. Um, and we would be taking something else extra with it, which is like this stuff they call candy. It's like the, in these jars of ayahuasca, like over the course of like, you know, um, you know, months of traveling with this stuff, you know, this like sediment, this stuff starts kind of forming on the bottom and it, it's sort of like the, uh, it, 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 it looks, yeah. And, and it, it tastes kind of like, it tastes kind of like caramel when you, well, that doesn't taste like caramel, but it looks and feels like caramel. It tastes like, tastes, tastes, um, unpleasant. Um, but, uh. <laughs> But so yeah, that was an, that was an intense ceremony, and and that was you know when I sort of came to grips with, um, 
the real work that I needed to do in this life, you know, and the idea of making the film was pretty much, you know, not even there for me for at least, you know, two or three days. And it was, that was really more for me to go through my stuff. And, um, then later on afterwards, when I came back into, you know, trying to understand what my path was and what my mission was, Roman, Roman was like, Hey, by the way, if you want to make the film, I'll make it with you, you know, we'll, we'll oh, do it. He's like, he's like, I can, he's like, I, I see, I see what you're doing. I understand who you are now. And I understand that you're doing this for the right reasons. And there's, there's integrity here. So if we can, you know, let's move forward if you want to. So that was how it went. Oh. And at that point though, he was running this compound or whatever clinic, whatever you might call it. No, he wasn't. He, at that point he was, where was he living at that point? He was living in the sacred Valley and, um, outside of Cusco in a little town called Pisac. Um, he had, uh, he had a small place in the jungle, I believe, um, at that point too. But he, the the compound that you saw in the film, we made. You know, we made it together. You know, that that didn't exist. That didn't exist until the film, oh. actually. So, so we, we, when we started planning the film, we're like, okay, so we're, we want to have eight patients come down. You know, let's build a traditional, you know, a traditional healing center, Amazonian healing center, where there's dieta huts where people can will be in seclusion you know, half a mile from each other so that they're, and you know, covered in, you know, with, with plenty of, plenty of, um, so, yeah, plenty of space to do their work. Um, and then a few longhouses and that kind of a thing. So we found some land and we built it. Um, and that's, that's what you see in the, in the film. And now that's become, that's become a healing center. It's ever since the film really? was shot, it's now, it's now a healing center. And there's another one that's being built right now. Um, in a different region uh, of the Amazon, um, about five hours east of, of Cusco over the Andes Mountains, right where the Andes drop off into the Amazon. It's a pretty gorgeous, amazing location as well. Wow. That he's, yeah. and, he, and this is all under his auspices in terms of running this whole deal? Yep. Pretty amazing. Him and his, him and his partner, Cynthia. They're pretty amazing, amazing people. And the people who they have working with them, you know, they're they find some pretty incredible people. I mean, a lot of them have come through, um, watching our film, you know, who people who want to know what they can do, how they can get to go down to the Paititi Institute. Um, and a lot of them is, it's just word of mouth. There's a pretty amazing community, you know, um, coming together around these ancient medicines Mm. and the messages that they have to show us. So pretty extraordinary. Wonderful. How did you get these eight people to? Uh, what kind of trust did you establish to get them to come down there, Nick? They were from the other two films. They were, the, you know, from the Tapping Solution film is is all about that. That that takes ten people who are who are ill, and you know, they use a, oh. a healing technique called EFT. So there's there there's like there was that community. Then there, the next one was called Simply Raw, reversing diabetes in thirty days. So there's all kinds of people, you know, on that mailing list in that community that were excited about you know, and needing, you know, some answers for their, some nutritional answers for their illness. So those two, we, we went out to those two communities and within 24 hours I had, and I had 400 applications for people. And it was pretty honest and like, you know, flat out, like, listen, here's what you're going to have to face. You know, this was, it wasn't like we were trying to, you know, get people to get interested in trying to like sell this to anyone. We're like, Hey, if you want, if you're, if you're really ill and you're, you feel like, you know, you don't have, you're looking for new options um, and you're willing to brave, you know, the rainforest and, you know, willing to, 
you know, work with indigenous medicine ceremonies and all the things that that entails, then send us an email and let us know who you are and fill out, fill out this application. So after, you know, within 24 hours, I had 400 plus applications for people, um, which, and incredible people, um, a lot of them really, really, um, sick. Yeah. And, uh, and we had to figure out, it was such a hard count. You know, it's weird. I don't, I don't think about this very often, but it was just such a hard process that, you know, people, just beautiful human beings, just, 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 you know, they had to come in to send in a, a headshot. They send in, they had to fill out all kinds of stuff about themselves. So we got to really, you know, get to know who these people were. There were five of us going through these applications. So we were sitting there with 400 applications. We need eight people. And it's like, how are we going to whittle this down? So the first thing I did was I'm like, okay, let me just reiterate to them what they're going to have to, to go through, you know? And so I sent out another email a few days later saying, Hey, thank you so much for your application. I just want to make sure you understand where we're going to be. This is not like, this is not a first world facility. This is this is it's not the is Chopra no, Center. It wasn't. It's not the Chopra Center. It's not. You know. It's, and I was like, so, because people had seen like the Healing Center in Simply Raw, which is really nice, the Tree of Life Healing Center in Sedona. I'm like, this is nothing like any of that. There's no electricity. There, the running water is very limited. You're going to be in seclusion, like literally seclusion. There's not like you're going to be, you know, in sort of a vipassana where you're like wandering around, not talking, but still seeing each other. You will be in a in a dieta hut. And in the remote, in the, the you know the ten feet radius of that dieta hut for the majority of this time, unless you're walking out of this dieta hut to go to the Maloka ceremony, ceremonial temple to do ceremony, and then coming back into your your dieta hut. Um, and also, I want to I want to make sure you understand that there are poisonous snakes and there are poisonous spiders that live in this region, along with the thousands and thousands of other creatures that crawl around here. Well, that that got that got rid of about. 60% of the people, they had, they had to respond that they wanted me, if they wanted to be considered. So, I mean, if they didn't, you know, respond, then they were, they were not on the list anymore. So that got, that, that sort of whittled it down to have, you know, maybe 180 people. And then from there, we just made, we just personally called everyone and started, you know, getting, getting real good intel on who they were. And then we made the final decision mm. from there. Amazing. Jeez. <laughs> Unreal. It's so beautiful in the, in the film. To, you really get a, a chance to sort of know these people because they're in such a critical space and they're way more real. And, and everything they're doing that's supporting this uh, space, this space is just... And it's a retreat as well as all of the uh, herbs that they're taking and the ceremonies they're going through. It's just uh, it's pretty amazing. Um. So there's a few things that I heard in in the film that I thought it would be great to bring up. Uh, I, th I thought that they were really um, insightful. Um, one of the things I don't know, and I think it's I can't remember exactly who says what when, uh, but probably the shaman who are quoted throughout the m film, and that's a, a fantastic thing as well. You get to really feel okay. These aren't guys that are they're doing it for the real reasons as well. Uh, yeah. But uh, one of the things that they're trying to do, they said, is to help people get out of their patterns to give them a real chance to die. Yeah. That is a, a phenomenal thing. And it very much uh, falls in line with, uh, if you read the Tibetan Book of the Dead or Sogyal Rinpoche's book, uh, Living and uh, Dying. 
um, the Tibetan Book of Living and Dying, which, by the way, anybody out there who's got anybody who's in any kind of compromised spot in terms of they, they may be very sick or getting close to transition, that's a great book uh, for them to have. Um, but it's, it's, let's talk about that. What, what is it to you? For me, I feel like, you know, the first inclination would be to think about it in terms of these patients and the, the real, very real, um, confrontation with their own mortality that they are, they're, you know, um, they're in the middle of. But I think that since just to take it on, you know, to be, to bring it into my own personal, you know, um, understanding, I feel like it's, it's, it means to me this idea that dying is not necessarily something that is associated solely with the passing on from this physical body. I think that we, that these patients all have to go through a dying process and this, this path in general, the shamanic path, the spirit path, the indigenous healing path requires you to let go of parts of yourself that are no longer serving you and let them die off. I mean, I've heard the analogy so many times, um, you know, this idea of trees, a tree reaching for the, reaching for the the sun, reaching for the light is going to let limbs die that are are no longer helping it. And it's not, it's not a big, it's, it's, it's a beautiful thing, but it's not something that necessarily needs to be mourned or maybe it does. The idea of letting our parts of ourselves die that no longer serve us, I think, is at the heart of what's going on in in the film. It's at the heart of what's been going on in my my little world ever since I came in, into contact with these traditions. So um, there's and then and then there's there is obviously also you know the physical dying you know and the physical dying of these bodies that we inhabit, which um, I think is also is also very relevant yeah. to that statement. So. Yeah. Isn't it funny that it takes us being in that kind of critical situation, obviously related to our mortality, before we really allow ourselves to get free of these habitual patterns that are the things that very much contribute to our being, um, shall we say, off base and off base physically, emotionally, mentally. And yeah. uh, yeah, one would, which is all the lamas, for instance, say, Get going on that now, like way before you'll be so compromised you can't even deal with it. You know, you you, you can't even go through a ceremony, for instance. Um, yeah. And, and I love uh, the other statement around this same thing was around encountering negative seeds that have been planted. Have we planted a few negative seeds in our lives? <laughs> so that that's great, too. The other thing that's... Uh, interesting not interesting it's a reality and that's about ayahuasca Um, in my mind and this is just personal and i'm not involved in the ayahuasca um, ceremonies at all Um, but i feel just knowing people and having worked with people or talked to people that there seems there there seems to be a penchant for over abuse of ayahuasca and it becomes something that is just, let, let me have that experience again and again. And I think you know Maharaji Neem Karoli Baba, you know from, from Ram Dass's book, Be Here Now. 
And the famous thing is when he was given acid and nothing happened and there was a lot of fun stuff that happened. But what he did say was, it's good in the beginning. It allows you to know Christ, but you can only hang out for a few hours and then you you got to leave. Eventually, just love, serve, remember will get you where you want to go. That pretty much is what he said. So uh, to me, the, the, uh, in terms of the uh, our practical reality, I feel like, of course, everything can be abused if it's done in excess, but there seems to be an experiential level to ayahuasca that brings people back and back and back. And, uh, and I wonder, you know, what, are, what is the reality of, of them in terms of the deepest transformation of a being? Then, so that's my thing about ayahuasca. Then I heard one of the shaman in the film say, ayahuasca, and this is no secret, is the mother of all plants. And the only way that we have found these other plants that are so, uh, these healing plants is through ayahuasca. So that probably harks back, okay, well, the right person using this, these shaman, quote-unquote, is, you know, that's a whole other level of this. It's not, you know, Joe Schmo coming from Brooklyn to uh, to the Amazon to have another experience. What's your take on all of that so i guess i have there's a two part it's a two-parter i think um so the the, so the first one um i've seen people in ceremonies that i can tell are not evolving that i've seen in ceremony i mean only because i've seen them in ceremonies for the last seven or eight years and Mm -hmm. i know them i know them i i personally can't do very many ayahuasca ceremonies and when i do them uh, between you and I, I'm scared. I mean, I'm always scared. I can't, I can't, it's not something that's a joy ride for me. I know some people, um, talk about it like, Oh, you know, I went into the, the mouth of the serpent and went in and uh, like, f- for me, it's a, it's an ordeal. I mean, it's a, it's a saga every time. And so it's something that, you know, some, you know, I think that certain people are, and you could look at it energetically, spiritually, physically geared, wired, um, towards certain types of plants and some plants are, you know, full on allies and, you know, there's some, there, they can harness that power and, and really dance in that space and other plants, I think, you know, for that same person might bring them to their knees. So that's some, that's a lesson that I've learned in my experiences with Amazonian medicine is that some, that some of the, some plants you'd think are, you know, going to pre- you know, present the same effects across the board for everyone. And it's just totally not true for me. Ayahuasca is, something that I respect. It's probably the most powerful thing I've ever worked with plant medicine wise, but it's definitely not something I look forward to whenever, you know, those days leading up to it, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about it, you know, it's in the back of my brain, you know, it's almost like, you know, the only thing I can really think about, I can, I can liken it to is if you, if you know, you have to give, you know, a, a big, very important presentation to, you know, a large audience of people that really matter or like deliver a eulogy for someone who is really important to you in front of a very, something where you feel like you're going, all eyes are going to be on you and you're going to have to do an eight hour, eight to nine hour marathon, you know, for, is is what I feel, uh, ayahuasca is for me. So, so I can't relate to the idea of over, of overindulging in it because I literally don't think I'm, I'm I'm chemically, physically, spiritually wired to be able to, I would, I just, that's just not who I am, but I have seen people in ceremonies, um, who I, and I'm, who am I to judge anyone? But I, I think that in my inclination is that they are people who don't seem to be 
gaining more compassion, more connect, more connectedness um, mm. through this, this, the, the repeated ceremonies. And these are folks that take it twice a month, you know, and I, I'm, ta- I'm somebody who does it once a year, maybe. And actually, sometimes it's like once every year and a half. And it's because it's part of my path. I mean, it's, I, ha- I know I have to do it, but it's something that is definitely, you know, scary for me. Um, now, to go back, so I, I think that I agree with you. I think that, that there are some people that, I, that this, this is not necessarily helpful for um in terms of continued repeated use it isn't like the more you indulge the more healing you the more healing you get i think that it's like like anything this is all about you it's your own work it's being being in touch with the subtlety of your own journey and there is nobody else who's going to do this for you it's almost like you can liken it to people just kind of you know sitting back you know needing having coming down with some kind of illness and then going straight to the hospital sitting back and saying hey just put me under just take care of what you got to take care of and I'll, i'll go back home and not think about it anymore like you can't do that. There's no one who's going to do this work for you. And something that Romans taught me and continues to try to ingrain in, ingrain in me. And only recently have I fully started to understand it is just that the, there is no end to this. There is no, there is, there is no, um, there is no winning this game. The game, you know, you know, the path, the destination is the work. There is nothing more. It's the, the work is where you're going. The work is not what you need to do before you get somewhere. Mm-hmm. The work is where you're going. And it's about you to fully embracing that and learning how to dance in that space, in that space, in the in the the the, the, the space of self self reflection, understanding, you know, openness, subtlety, um, connectedness that you need to be constantly doing. And so that yeah, for me, I thought that there was this place where you get you do the work and finally you get spit out the other side and then you're <laughs> enlightened. It's easy. And then it's easy. And then it's easy. But but so but so anyway, in answer in, in answer to your second the second part to your question, um, I've experienced some really cool really cool things in the jungle. Um, just witnessing different shamans who use the ceremonies to locate the plants that they're using to prescribe to their patients. So there's in the in the in the the, uh, the movie there's a there's one of the shamans. His name is Don Habib. Uh, it's his name is um, uh, what's his name? His name is Don Pachin. Sorry, there's so many Don Pachin, Habin, Eduardo, and uh, and Roman. <laughs> But um, Don Pacin, um, and uh, he's quiet. You know, he's a quieter one. Um, and he, uh, in ceremony, a lot of times he like he like just almost lays down. He just kind of takes he takes medicine, and then you know he won't be doing administering any healings. He won't be um, you know singing any ikaros. He just he just he just lays down sometimes, and and or or he'll like be against the wall and just kind of be gone. And so for a while, I was like, you know, Roman, this guy's not really very impressive. Like, he just takes, drinks the medicine and, like, he doesn't, he doesn't even participate in the ceremony. He's like, what's going on here? Um, is, is this guy really, like, into, you know, just doing it for the, for the thrill ride? Or, and I'm like, why do we, you know, I think we might have made a mistake. And Roman was like, why don't you ask him what he's, what he's doing when he's, when he's in the ceremony. And so like the next day he's casually, you know, I think it might, it might even a clip of it might've been in the film, but casually asked him, I didn't want to offend him. I was like, so what I noticed that you're, that you're sort of not really there in the ceremony. You're somewhere else. You're not in the room with us. And he just kind of explained to me that, you know, every healer is different. And for him, the way he finds his medicines is he has to go out of body. The only way he knows that he knows the medicines to prescribe is through ceremony. And so he takes he during that experience is tra- is is scanning the scanning the jungle wa- you know wandering through the jungle you know in his energy body and he's and he's looking for the right the right plants for his patients 
Now, you know, you can believe what you, you can, everyone can believe what they want to believe, but I do know this, his plants, the plants that he prescribes work, you know, in terms of the symptoms going away that the patient's experience, the patient's experiencing. And if this is, he's not like, he's not, he's not the, he's not some exception or this isn't like a new, a new concept. This is something that's talked about quite a bit in the Amazon is using these ceremonies to find the medicine for your patients. A lot of these guys don't even know what the plants are called that they're prescribing. They're just like, these are the plants that I know I need, they, I know you need to take. So. Wow. Is he the one with the son, young guy that's his apprentice? That's, that's Eduardo. Eduardo. Yeah. Well, that kid is phenomenal too. I mean, you see him through the picture working with his father and you figure, you almost think, yeah, this poor kid has got to do this thing because his dad told him he got to yeah, do it. Yeah. You go collect some of this, do that. You know, he's like a go a gopher, for, yeah. You know, a healer gopher. Then he starts to talk this kid mm -hmm. and tell, and it was like, wait a minute, you know, he's unbelievable. He said one thing actually that was just staggering. Uh, he says, "I just want to continue my training." so that I can eventually see my true nature. I mean, I don't know who translated that from the Spanish. Did you? Okay, true nature? Uh, I translated a lot of it, but I think something like true nature, yeah, I think, well, it was me and a bunch of other, not a bunch of other, two other um, translators that are that know Peruvian even better, Peruvian Spanish even better than I do. Mm. So, um, yeah, I, have to, I, I could listen to it again, but that, that's, I think that's pretty much word for word, so. Uh, I mean... This is like a central Buddhist concept coming from, how old is he? He was 12, 13, 14, something? Yeah, yeah, something like that. Uh, yeah. I think he actually might have been older. He might have been a little older, older than he looked. I think he might have been 15 or 16. Oh, oh God, he's really old. Then how could he have said that? <laughs> I mean, just imagine that coming out of his mouth. Yeah. I mean, obviously, this transmission and uh, that that is going on in this particular case, to me, that was a highlight of the of the film. And he said... And I and you showed some scenes, you know, just of, of the in the city of, of kids. They're not the least bit. This he said, this generation isn't the least bit interested in anything like this. And yeah. then you start to think, holy shit, this it's succession. What's going to happen? I mean, there's one thing: is the plants not being there because of this the, the continuing horror, um, but also the people that aren't able to interest this next generation. So that seems, that's, is that not a, a large part of what's going on here and what you're trying to get across with this film? You know, this film has, there's so many little, little through lines on this film. I think that is one of them for sure. There's a crisis in the jungle and there's a crisis really around the world in, you know, the d different healing traditions, shamanic traditions, um, where, the youngsters are no longer really interested in learning from the elders anymore. And these traditions are almost, almost every one of them does is not written down. There's, there is no written language. There is no written language in the Amazon. Um, so when the, when that elder dies with that knowledge inside of him or her without sharing it with someone who can continue it, then it's gone. But whoever, whatever, whatever that person knows that could be thousands of years old handed down until just recently if that knowledge is not passed on, not, and not only the knowledge, but that, like we were saying before, like that sacred science, that way of being, then it's lost. Um, so yeah, there it's, you know, Mark Plotkin speaks about it really, 
really eloquently in um he's got a he's got a book called medicine hunters i believe um is it called medicine hunters yeah we should look that medicine, up. Me, medicine quest sorry it's called medicine quest medicine quest um yep and we'll, um yeah we'll get that Mark, up on the on the website everybody as well uh, medicine hunters another gentleman named chris Killam, who's really cool he's he's a friend of ours he does a lot of work in the amazon too um who, who but uh, yeah mark Plot- mark Plot- mark plotkin mark, mark- Mark Plotkin. He's actually um, Plotkin, P as in Peter, L-O-T-K-I-N. He's got a really great conservation company called, a company organization called Amazon Amazon Team. Um, if you ever saw that movie in the late 80s with uh, Sean Connery, he's called Medicine Man. Yes. Um, he, that, that movie is modeled after Mark. Oh, uh, Mark, he also, Mark also gave a really great TED Talk uh, a year ago talking kind of about the biodiversity of the Amazon and mm. what we need to do to save it. Mm. Um, but yeah, yeah, he's, you know, he and, and, and a bunch of other ethnobotanists, you know, they speak really, they speak really, really beautifully about the crisis and not, and not just being a crisis of losing the plants and losing the jungle, but of losing the really rich and valuable, if you want to think about it from like a medical perspective, um, knowledge and wisdom that these traditions have. Mm-hmm. Every time those, every time those kids get lured into modern modernity, which I'm not saying is bad, you know, that's, that's just the way we, that's just how things are flowing. It's how things are evolving. But one, you know, one casualty of that is the loss of this knowledge. And it's, it's a, well, big, it's a big, big casualty. Big time. One, uh, the, the other thing that struck me uh, in the movie is the fact that it's not just the, the, it's not just focused on the body healing and that it is very much focused on soul healing, whatever you want to call that. Um, and there's different, the different methodologies that, uh, that take place uh, that you, you hear Om Mani Padme Hung chanting, you know, at one point. So yeah. there's chanting going on. There's obviously meditation. Obviously, the the ayahuasca ceremony itself is is a center piece of 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 this. So I, I imagine whoever goes there is told that that's something that's part of the healing process. So if you're completely against taking a psychotropic uh, substance, then you you can't come, right? Um, hmm. I, every one of the patients who came down knew that there would be ayahuasca ceremonies and they said they were comfortable with that, but not all the patients participated in, in them when they were down there. Oh, really? It, was, it wasn't mandatory. Um, if patients were resistant to it, it wasn't mandatory. Um, and I think it, it touches on something that I talk about a lot after the film, after screenings of the film, we do Q and A's is that, People sometimes feel as though when they watch the movie that, that you know, a lot of the healing comes from the herbs and the, and the ceremonies. But the underlying um, medicine that's happening there uh, is, the, is the jungle itself. And not really just the jungle itself, like, oh, the trees healed me, but the seclusion in the jungle itself. Like the, the, uh, the actual, the way that this whole thing is, is put together in Amazonian healing where this person needs to sit in this hut by themselves mm. for 30 days. If you do nothing more than just all you do <laughs> yeah. is sit in a hut for 30 days by yourself eating pretty much mostly, mostly vegan food. Um, there, there's a, there's a, a small fish called the Boca Chico, which is like a traditional part of the Amazonian healing dieta. It's the only pro only animal protein that's allowed 
um, in, in the diet. I'm not sure exactly why it's a, not a very nice tasting fish. It's very tiny and bony. It doesn't, it's not like something that you'd really mm-hmm. want to eat. Um, but you know, eating very, eating very minimal food, you know, very minimal, simple food, no seasoning, no spices, um, at all whatsoever. Um, a little bit of salt, a tiny little bit of salt. Um, but you're sitting in seclusion by, by yourself for 30 straight days on this very humble, humble diet. That's really, really only for sustenance. There's nothing, there's nothing enjoyable about what you're, what you're eating. All you have, all you have is yourself. And it's funny because the patients that came down when I, we told them, listen, you're not going to be able to have anything in your hut. Like it's just going to be your clothes and, you know, a little, you know, some, the medicines that you're going to be given and some water and, you know, a little bit of food that you might be given in the morning. Um, and that's it. No well, books. these people, yeah, no, but these people came down and they're like, well, surely, you surely, you, you know, you don't, you're not saying that my book, my book about, you know, whatever it is, it could be the Tibetan book of the dead. It could be anything. You're, you're not telling me I can't bring this with me. This is, this is sacred. Or you're going to tell me I can't bring this pad of paper I have to take notes or to draw pictures or to this coloring book where I can color in these mandalas. Nope. All that stuff. We're taking it. What are we going to do? Yeah, exactly. What are you going to do? You're, you're here for a reason. And, you know, the, you're, you know, just trust us. This is, this is going to work. This is going to help you. So, you know, it's funny. People think that, you know, and some people even thought that they would be able to have their, have their iPhones with them. They, and they said, oh, I, I have music on that. I'm not going to use it for any other reason. You know, they, they, who, who are they going to call? They're like 3,000 miles away from anywhere. Um, but it's funny. People, people need these distractions. And, and, and there's so many justifications for the distractions. I mean, I find myself doing it all the time, justifying why I need to indulge in the thing that I need to indulge in. Yeah, exactly. um, and it's our way of our way of hiding from ourselves, right? Yeah. It's our way of hiding yeah. from what's go, actually going on. So yeah. I guess my, my point my point is, you know, the meta, the the ceremonies are are uh, um, are a big part of Amazonian healing. But I think that it can't be understated how important this idea of getting rid of everything that you have that is taking you away from yourself. You get into a big be here now moment, don't you? On that. <laughs> well you know that's uh, and once you go through something like that aside from the obvious people going down to to get healed but that other healing that happens and once you see that and then you see it way more clearly in your day to day life back wherever that might be so yeah that that's why I appreciate that I didn't expect that in the movie I mean you know this Roman guy is—he's uh, pretty good. Learn, <laughs> learn to see the highest wisdom in everything that's happening to you, and that—that uh, that harks back to uh, Maharaji Neem Karoli said to us: "See everything for the good." So, getting into that kind of a place, if that's all that you could do, that would be a huge, huge, huge thing living in acceptance and, and some kind of contentment. Um, uh, there's one other thing that's not nothing to do with the movie, okay? It's just something I, I actually saw on the <laughs> blog, and I'm like, wow. Uh, oh, God, hang on a second. Um, you did a blog... And you met someone named Lori Gerber, a life coach. Yeah, yeah. Right? This is recent. I don't think it's that long ago. It isn't. Uh, and you were striving to to find balance, uh, you know, with your work and your life. Yeah. And uh, 
everybody's trying to do that. Uh, yep. we, uh, here's a little ad. We just put out a, a smartphone app called HeartMind. And in it, that's why this struck me, because in it, uh, we uh, curated a, uh, an in-app course called Life in Balance. How to get yourself in balance on a day-to-day basis from Jack Cornfield, Sharon Salzberg, Krishnadas, Rob, you know, all the people that are on the Be Here Now Network, which Mind Rolling is on. And uh, so there you are. I, I was like, okay, he went to this life coach. And then, you know, you really, five hours of written homework detailing all areas <laughs> of my life, visions, history, parents, and more. And, yep. and, and, and okay, so this is, this has nothing to do with anything, but I had to get clear on what my dream relationship to time, time in capitals, would be, and give it a current rating on a scale of yeah. one to ten. What is? What are we talking about? I just got to know this. Okay. I think it's great that I think it's great that you that you want to end on this. It's great. Um, so yeah, Lori's actually. So she works for a company called the Handel Group out of New York, and she was recommended to me by a friend. And I was like, at first, you know, I had all my, my projections were like, oh, you know, I, I, this is, this seems like something that is, can't possibly be transformative or, you know, that's not along the lines of, of the work you're doing, you know, in these different cultures. But gosh, man, the way that the, the, the knowledge that I have gotten from Lori, just, you know, she's, she's a coach. She spends her all her, her entire day with people who have pretty sizable, um, communities, um, uh, she works with, they work with, um, uh, you know, whether, whether or not it's, it's some sort of a tech company that, that they feel is in, they're aligned with that feels, feels has like an, feels, they feel it has, has like an altruistic sort of, um, uh, you know, uh, mission or whether it's in, like speakers, authors and things like that. So they reached out to me and they're like, Hey, we want to see if we could help you with anything that's going on with you trying to juggle this, you know, messaging around the sacred science and also live your life, you know, the way you should in a modern, in the modern world. And I was like, all right, let's, let's talk. So we talked and really what we do, what, what Lori and I do is just talking about how I can embody the, the person I am when I'm in the jungle even when I'm walking, walking on my path up here in the United States, um, trying to run a business. I mean, really the sacred science, it's like, you know, this is, you know, this is a film, but you know, there's a community here that I have, we have a big team. We have big projects that we're doing, you know, down in the jungle and up here in the States. And it's really like run, it's a running an organization. So, Mm -hmm. you know, it's something that, you don't people might not think when they're like, you know, when they watch the film or, you know, they, they read our blogs or, you know, work with our mastery programs, but it really is something that has been a, a goal of mine. It's like, okay, so I, I'm sort of, the, there's two different parts of my life. There is Nick who's, you know, walking barefoot down the jungle trail, you know, in the, in honestly, in the, you know, would rather be nowhere else in the world pretty much at all times than that, in that place. Or the, there's also Nick who's like the man who's got, you know, a four-year-old son and, and wife and kids and a mortgage and trying to, you know, trying to um, provide not only for myself, but also for the people who are in my organization and their, them and their families too. So, I mean, there's, there's that kind of, um, of a balance. And so that's where Lori comes in. And I got to say, like, been, she's been extremely 
extremely helpful. Mm. A lot of the wisdom that they that they work with in, in the in the Handel group right, is actually pretty shamanic and um, mm. ancestral in nature, and that's where that came from. So yeah, my my dream relationship with time. I've never thought about that kind of a thing. It sounds kind of like a gimmicky self help kind of a drill to do, but you know when when you're working with them and they're really trying to help you understand you know the pitfalls that you can that you can encounter in the modern world when trying to walk a spirit path. You know your relationship to time is one of those is one of those um, I don't know, big, big factors that you need to take into consideration. How, you know, how do you want to be spending every hour of your day? You know, instead of it, it's not just like I wake up and I'm in, I'm in my, I'm in my marmot, my marmot tent in like a, you know, a cloud forest, you know, somewhere, you know, in the, in the high Andes. And I get to kind of figure out what I want to do first. Do I want to chew some coca or do I want to, you know, go wander down across the bridge and see what's going on down there with the other permaculturists. I have to like think about, you know, okay, so I wake up in the morning, crack of dawn, you know, and then I'm dad, I'm a dad for two hours and then I go to the office and then I have to work with my team. And how does that all work? How does that, what's my energy throughout all that? How can I make that something that, that feels like it's more in alignment with my highest ideals? And that's that. Yeah. yeah. Universal question. Everyone has that. Now that I understand exactly what we're talking about, dream relationship (laughs) to time. Yes. Yes. And, uh, you know, and at center of this movie, the core of healing of body, healing of spirit, and staying in for 30 days completely alone and just having very simple food and herbs and practices uh, would uh, bring you to the place where your perspective completely changes so that when you are at uh, in the world, so to speak, then uh, you are not being pulled into your habitual patterns it goes back to what we were talking about right in the beginning right that they you you let you've let them out enough so that they can dissipate and you can transform so that uh, wherever you are there is that moment so that's uh, pretty beautiful okay we got to talk about sacred science okay where can people go go to the site and tell us what's going on you have a cookbook too that you're yeah, we've got. Yeah, we've got so we, we have we have a we have a free screening um, happening um, right now, and uh, and it's going to be going for um, quite a few more. So it's, it ends on Sunday. So we have got, it's got we've got one, two, three, four, five more days. Um, people can watch it. Um, well, and, since we're uh, podcasts come out, will come out after the five days, and so let's oh, cool. go into so, a broader cool. thing of how people can access. Easy, very easy. Same, same basic thing. But so, so um, I'll just start where. Okay, I know I'll start. So we have a free screening for the Sacred Science that you can check out online. Um, just go to thesacredscience.com, thesacredscience.com forward slash screening dot html, and that will take you to a registration page. Um, give us your information. We will send you links to watch the movie. Mm. Um, there's also there's also a um, uh, a cookbook as you mentioned that's filled with ancient recipes that heal. Um, the criteria for that book was um, we needed to find recipes that were over 500 years old um, and that had proven um, healing power. So that's the sacred cookbook that um, you can check out uh, as well when you're watching the movie. It's uh, somewhere on that screen. And, um, yeah, if you, if you grab a copy, you'll be supporting us. You can also grab a copy of the film itself. Um, and that obviously goes to supporting the work that we do. So yeah, we'd, we'd love to, uh, love to have you and hear your feedback. And if anybody is interested, Nick, in actually 
going down into the Amazon and just wanting to participate in, in this healing, is that possible through contact through your site? We don't really do much with that. We, you know, we, we try to direct people to do their own research. There's a lot of, there are a lot of facilities um, through our site, you can you will see see articles that you know talk about different facilities down in the Amazon that you could seek out. But we're trying really hard to dissuade people from flocking to the Amazon to get to have their have a healing experience. It's kind of a fine line we dance with this film project is showing people what's possible. But really, what we're trying to do is empower people to bring some of the, these core practices back into their life. The same kinds of practices that you and I have been speaking about today the the mindfulness practices and you know on our website you go you'll see a, a pretty thriving blog where we distill a lot of what you saw in the film into things that you can do in your own life whether it's prayer whether it's um you know small rites of passage and ceremonies that you can do for yourself herbs that you can easily access up here in the states so we don't really recommend different centers in the amazon because i guess for two reasons one i i don't want to vouch for yeah. um for healers down there, um, you know, Roman's amazing, but he's not someone who um, has a has a you know has a shingle you know hung where you can go and, and see him. Um, and the other and there's a number of um, there's many amazing healers, but we don't want to guarantee anyone's experience yeah. for themselves up here. So, okay, got it, fair. So, uh, but certainly supporting uh, watching the movie, certainly supporting. Uh, what's going on uh, is is important. I'm sure that there's also uh, a way through sacred science to actually directly support uh, keeping the tradition alive. That would be the most important thing in my mind. So, uh, yeah, sacred science. Nick Polizzi, thank you. It was really great, but uh, finally watching the movie was way greater, actually. <laughs> Not that I don't love you. <laughs> but hey, listen, I'm, I'm excited that you watched it and you liked it. Yeah, it was really wonderful, really wonderful. Get a lot of food for thought, a lot, a lot, a lot. And uh, go so go to go to the sites, Sacred Science, the Sacred Science, the Sacred the Science. Sacred Science. Go to thesacredscience.com. And uh, just participate. Sign up there, and you know, Nick produces not only wonderful blogs that I've been reading, but also uh, great interviews. Which actually we're going to start uh, putting up here on uh, the Be Here Now Network, right? So, and we'll see more of you, Nick. So, thank you again. This is Mind Rolling on the Be Here Now Network. Go to beherenownetwork.com/slash mindrolling. And we shall see you next week.